Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very um, exciting um, session today. So we have two kindergarten teachers here. We have Christina Pinto and Jessica Tomei, who will share how facilitating early learning experiences with Google Slides can work either remotely, hybrid, or in your classroom. So I'm so excited about this because I saw Christina a few years back at ISTE and I saw her, she was teaching and she had a book out at the time. And so I am just so thrilled that she's here. Um, um, by the way, I'm Melissa Summerford, and I'm with uh, GEG at Texas, and so I'm so excited to bring you these ladies, and they are going to share so much for, to help your littles, because I know this is a question that you have been having, because I've been having this myself. So um, I want to thank them for coming on and sharing this information with you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to them. They'll talk about a little bit more about who they are. I know that they collaborate, which is so awesome. Uh, Jessica's in New Jersey right and then mm -hmm. Christina's in California so for them to collaborate like this it's just it's just so amazing like it can happen like virtually that's why I say relationships can happen virtually so I'm gonna go ahead and let them take it away all right thank you Melissa for the introduction again I am Christine Pinto and I'm presenting with Jessica Toomey I'm in California She's in New Jersey and together we've been collaborating with our classes for the past three years. Uh, we're heading into our fourth year collaborating together. And the special thing about that is not only do we collaborate as teachers, but our classes collaborate together on a year long daily basis. And so you might be wondering like, well, how is that even possible from across the country, different time zones? And you, you might be thinking like, uh, did, did she mention that they're kindergarten teachers? So how are you doing this with littles? So we, our collaboration happens a lot through obviously digital communication. And it doesn't mean that we're having like live Google meets every day with our classes but the spaces that we use to collaborate. So we use Flipgrid to share the weather. We use Google Drawings for our wish you well, ritual for when kids are absent. Uh, and one of those tools that we also use to facilitate a lot of our experiences, like the way that we share our lessons is with Google Slides. So our topic today, facilitating early learning experiences with Google Slides is what we're going to be sharing more about this is like our lesson design so how our lessons are put into google slides we typically used those in the classroom with the kids and now as we're like i'm going full remote learning this fall and jessica's going hybrid we are still using google slides to facilitate these learning experiences and we're going to have a focus on the google login because we know that many people like that in general, that is like a thing at the beginning of the year, like, how do you get your littles to log on? And now it's probably like, my kids aren't even with me and they're learning remotely or we're doing hybrid learning. Like, how are you gonna do that? So we're addressing that with a literacy tie. So we have a ton of resources and just ideas ready for you. Um, I know it's like on the bottom of the screen, uh, but our slides that you can access today are innovatingplay.world slash login and literacy. Also, if there's anything that you find inspiring and you want to share out on Twitter, you can use the innovating play hashtag 
on Twitter, I am Pinto Beans with a Z11, and Jessica is uh, J Labar Toomey, number two ME. All right, Jessica, are you ready for me to head on over to the next slide? I am ready. All right, let's see. Hopefully, I got this right. I hope that didn't go. Let's try again. There we go. All right. So one of the things that Christine and I do when we are planning for the littles and working together is think about the things that teachers know about how young children work. So even though both of us love technology and the possibilities that technology offers, we always start with what our little ones need. And one of the things that we know they need is context for their learning. So sometimes people will look at the work that Christine and my children do in the classroom and they'll be so super impressed with how much technology they can utilize. But that is not because we've given them separate technology lessons. It's really because those experiences have been woven into the daily practices. It's what we model for the kids and what we allow for when we develop experiences for them to create through technology. So one of the things that we do when we're going to tackle something like login, instead of just making it an isolated lesson on login, we wanna give the kids context for what's going to be happening. And one of our favorite ways to give context is by using a morning message. A morning message in Google Slides is such a great way to reach kids. One, one part of the experience is that it models a really authentic learning and literacy experience. So we actually have a book that'll be coming out. We have a whole chapter on the morning message and I could go on for an hour on the, and the possibilities of morning message in Google Slides and the new ways that we have to explore print and literacy when we approach it this way. But really for the purposes of sharing with you today, we just want to give you this as one way of setting up context for littles. And when we give them context, what we wanna do is ask those big picture questions. So not just like, why do we log in, but what is technology and how can technology help us to learn together from anywhere? And this question is kind of the question that we're asking each other today as we explore as teachers, like what is technology and what is the role, what is the role it's going to play for us this year? And it doesn't mean that technology always has to be front and center. We want to make sure that kids know that this is one way we explore the world. It's one way that we learn. And we want them to know really what technology is. And in order to do that, there's a video over on the side. It's a great little Sesame Street video that actually asks the question, what is technology? And I love the way that they define it because they define it for young children as a tool that helps you do things. So often when we talk to little kids and we ask them about technology, they're gonna think of their iPad, they're gonna think of a phone, they're gonna think of a computer, a Chromebook, whatever, but that's not what technology is limited to. When we talk about technology, that way we're talking about digital technology. So when we think about little kids and broadening their schema, we really wanna work through these different ideas with them. What is it that we can do with kids? And uh, Christine, I see you flip to the next slide. What is it that we can do with kids so that we are broadening their view of the world? So we want to start that conversation about why we're going to learn to log in by thinking about what technology is. And if you look at the little image here, we chose this little innovating playboy over on the side to show what kids might think about technology. And then my little thought bubble over on the side showing that there are other forms of technology. There are airplanes, there are tires, 
even in the little video, they show a backpack as a form of technology. It's a tool that helps you to do things. So Christine, if you could just flip back to the morning message slide really quickly, because I wanna show here that we're starting with a conversation, like a big picture conversation. And this is a conversation that you could have with kids if you did this in a Google Meet with them, or it's a conversation that you can help to kind of scaffold for families at home or caregivers or even between siblings if that's how they're um, working through the morning message. But underneath that video, after they've had a chance to explore there, we give them the challenge of looking around their house for different kinds of technology. So thinking just as we would in the classroom as a teacher of young children, we've had this conversation, they may have been sitting for a little while, now we wanna get kids up and moving. We want them exploring their world. So they're gonna get, it, get up, they're gonna move around, and then they're going to come rejoin us for the next part of the lesson. So when you design lessons, like blended lessons for remote learning, you wanna keep those dynamics in mind, the same dynamics that you would think about in the classroom. We're gonna go from carpet time to moving around back to carpet time or back to another space in the classroom. Those are the th same things that we want to apply here. All right, so I think, Christine, is there anything you wanted to add on to that one? No, and I know that this is kind of coming later, but I did want to mention it now. Just, you know, as educators, we know what kids need and don't feel like you're losing that in moving to a remote learning model or moving to a hybrid model, still tap into that teacher knowledge that you have and weave in what you know the kids need into um, the learning experiences still. And even like with our facilitation of these learning experiences and slides, we're able to blend them in. So that was just something I wanted to mention. Yeah. Uh, Can I just jump ahead. in? I wanted to say one more thing about that. If you're starting the year and you're sort of setting this um, model up for learning and say you end up going back into the classroom, the great thing is that this same model comes right back with you. So you're not switching back and forth between the way that you're approaching it now in remote learning and the way you're going to approach it into the classroom. This will work in either space. And we can tell you that because we've tested it out both ways. For three years, Christine and I have facilitated morning message with our class, class is, in um, Google Slides, when we went to remote learning, this just came with us. So we can tell you as kindergarten teachers, we've tested it out both ways. And if the five-year-olds can do it, guess what? The six-year-olds can do it and the seven-year-olds can do it. And you can manipulate this so that it works for different grade levels. It's just a really great way to set up instruction so that it can live anywhere. One more thing, just because I don't know if, if we'll mention it later and I don't want to forget, if you're wondering like, well, how do you even get the message to families? There's a couple of different ways. So we actually like to, well, there's there's, there's a lot of different ways. I'll share three. Uh, one, the slides, you can publish a link. So that's like in the file menu and then publish uh, publish your slides and you, you get a link and that link can get put into your communication platform that you use with families. So we use Seesaw. So we share that link with families and we can post it on Seesaw or option two can be like if you are using a website and you uh, like we use Google sites to like a like a family site, you can easily embed the Google slides into the family site. So there's you can drop the link in your communication platform. You can post or like embed your slide deck into a website. And then the third way, let's say like you just have one slide. Granted, 
you have one slide, you can download it as an image and post that on your communication tool. However, when you do that, you lose like interactivity, I guess. So like the Sesame Street video, if we were to just download this video, this slide, they wouldn't be able to watch the video. So there's a couple different ways to share your slides and those were the ways. And you can also do it in Google Classroom, of course. Oh yes, yes. So like your communic if, if your communication platform tool is Google Classroom, it can go there. Class Dojo, Remind, uh, Blooms, like all of those communication places where they let you drop a link that you can drop it there. Uh, all right, are we good to move forward? All right, we are. All right, let me see. We did that one and yep. now we're here. Okay, so we're heading back into the classroom. Sometimes it helps, I think, when we're thinking about remote learning, we need to go back to how it would work in the classroom. So if we were doing the morning message, we were probably whole group on the rug, and then the kids might have been moving around the room looking for technology, and then we're going to come back to the rug. So we need to re-engage them, and we need to give them another set of sort of like specific directions to scaffold their learning. So again, just as we would in the classroom using different kinds of visuals for the kids to help them see the process of what's going to happen next, we're gonna give them a chance now to just explore the idea of a keyboard. So again, instead of going right to the keyboard and this is how you log in, just like when we have kids for a math lesson, say, and we have a lesson that we're gonna do with Unifix cubes, instead of saying this is exactly what we're gonna do with the Unifix cubes, they need a chance to touch those Unifix cubes and figure out how high the stack can go and how many different things they can make they need to play first before you can engage them in a specific lesson. So that same strategy is going to follow here. So for this part of the activity, we're gonna have them look closely at the keyboard and think about the things that they notice. And then they're gonna listen to this song. Now the song is like the video is a little <laughs> bit old school, but it still totally holds true for those special keys on the keyboard. And it's a great time to integrate music into your lesson. We have all of these wonderful options to add all of these different modalities for learning. And so we want to, at any point we can, weave those into our lessons, even when we're remote learning. So this one is a song about the different keys on the keyboard, and then we give them a challenge with that. We want them to find the special keys on their keyboard and start pointing to the keys. So when we think about um, the kids and what they're going to be doing, we're giving them a chance to play with that keyboard before we teach them to log in. And Christine, do you want to jump to that next slide? So the big yes. takeaway for this part, when you're designing blended lessons, always think about what, what your kids need and how you can make that happen for them. And I know, Christine, there's something you wanted to point out here as we were sharing this part. Well, I want to, uh, yeah, yes, but no, no. <laughs> two things. One, this morning we just released a new blog post. Jessica came up with 10 tips for designing blended lessons. So be sure to check out our blog post. Uh, our site is innovatingplay.world. And if you're following us on Twitter, that was my last tweet. So uh, you can have access to those tips there and I was trying to remember oh one of the other things I wanted to mention I'm sure I'll say it again later because I just feel so passionately about it is that like the hands-on learning the exploring and everything does not have to die with us going to remote learning or to a hybrid model um, we just have to redefine what it looks like but it's like kids can still have those experiences that they that that we want them to have we can protect them so anyway um, next slide Yep. All right. Okay. So 
for those of us who are working with littles, when they're given the chance to learn how to log in or to even look at a keyboard, our poor kiddos, like, especially think of like, you know, TK kids, like, you know, preschool kids, like, like four years old, five years old, and they're looking at a keyboard and it's not all like, you know, in the order of the alphabet. And some keyboards look different. Like the one on your screen is that you're seeing in our slide. It is lowercase letters. The one that I have on my laptop right now, it's uppercase letters. So like logging in or just grasping a keyboard is a lot for a kiddo to take in, especially if they are still acquiring those letters and number recognition. So we tried to like break down that process for them. And they had that lovely introduction with the morning message and like that, uh, like the explorer listened to the song uh, slide that Jessica just finished telling you about. Now we're going to like bring the bring the keyboard a little bit closer to them with uh, like a bit of like a like task and a purpose. So uh, so right now on the keyboard on the screen, you see I'm going to hold it up because I have that right here. This is like our login color key, and I'll talk more about what this corresponds to in a second. But when we give this exact slide to our kids and families, we have directions on there for how we want them to just use this on their keyboard. So it's like, you know, place your login key um, on your keyboard, at, like it shows in the picture. We'll tell our kids, like, you know, have the red line up with the number row and point to each like key and say and name the number or the letter that is there. So they're getting used to and familiar with their login color key. That'll make a little bit more sense as I advance to the next slide. Okay. So in the classroom, we use uh, like these login cards that are on uh, the left side of the screen. And the idea with the login card is that you see that there is obviously the information that the kids need to use to log in. So there's their username and there's the password. And you'll see that they are in different colors. So, and you, maybe you've already made the connection like, oh, hey, look it, the numbers are, have like that red background and over here on that login color key, it has a red square. So that means for the kid, like that whole process that they can go to, like a little friend right here, you know, he's like, he's ready to log in. First, I look at my login card and I see that the number is seven and it has a red box. So then the kids go to look at the their keyboard that has their login color key on it. And they're looking at their login card and they're thinking, OK, red. Now I need to go all the way to the seven and I'm going to push that key. So when they're practicing logging in, these are the steps that they are going to take. So and that that just becomes a pattern. Look at my login card. What's the next number? Eight. It's in the red row. So I'm going to go look at the red row and come over to the eight. And we have this system set up again because the keyboard is a lot to take in. The kids are still acquiring letter recognition and number recognition. And to shorten that time of, of like logging in, it helps them to have a guide as to where to look. You know, like, yes, I know that all the letters and, the, and some of those numbers are there. But if you could at least narrow it down to, you know, that number, that letter Z, it's in the purple row. So then they don't even have to look at all these other rows and they can come over to the purple row and come locate. Like, I know Z is somewhere in here. 
Um, so that is, this is like, again, this is a slide that we'll be giving our families so that they can help the kids explore and to become familiar with logging in, which is great. Like, like we have to be addressing this early on. I mean, this is something that normally gets like early attention in the school year, but this is like one of the first things that we have to address because the kids are going to be to access us. They need to be able to log in. And so it, like, you know, it's helpful that the families are there to support them with it. And like, and they're, they're learn the families are learning how their kids are going to learn to do this. And this completely transfers to the classroom as well. This is what we were doing in the classroom. Actually in the classroom, I had tape, like colored pieces of tape. And so since, you know, I can't go to everybody's house and tape their keyboards, I don't know if they would want to, but now we have the login color key. So that way you can just print it out and it goes right on top. Um, the, the, it goes over the number key, uh, key row and then they can use that tool to help them out. So is there anything else that you wanted to add, Jessica, or should we move on? Um, uh, oh, gosh, there were so many things that jumped into my head as you were talking. <laughs> They're probably going to come up on the next slide. But I do want to say here, I think one of the things that might come up for, for people is thinking like, well, if they're at home and they have someone there to help them, then why am I going to bother going through all of this when the grown-up could just do it for them? What we really want people to see is this is a totally authentic way to learn letters and numbers. This is where letters and numbers are in their world. And yes, we want them to make the association that letters are used to build words. But now in the world that we live in, letters hold the language of computers and letters can do things on the screen. It's how we communicate with computers. So I think there's something really powerful about approaching just learning the alphabet in this way. And that's one of the reasons that we don't just want to gloss over this part and have our grownups logging in for us. If it becomes painful at home, do we want kids spending like hours and hours just trying to navigate this part? No, certainly not. But just as we want them to learn to zip and tie and button and do all of those things because it's part of their independence, we want the same thing for that in this because this is a part of their world. And so we want to really embrace this opportunity to learn together this way and to sort of redefine what alphabet knowledge means in our world. It is a great opportunity to work with our kids and what they need. And I think that, Christine, if you wanna to jump to the next slide, we're actually gonna build on this idea here. So instead of feeling like, all right, now I need to take time to teach like how to log in and all of this, and then what am I gonna do because I have all of these standards and these other things that I'm supposed to cover, guess what? When you're teaching kids to log in this way and really taking your time, you're also reaching a lot of the standards that you need to reach in kindergarten or with young children. So when we think about this part, we wanna bring them back to, now we're, we've given them a chance to explore the keyboard, we've given them a chance to play, we've taught them about the login procedure, and now we want to give them a really concentrated way to not only practice, but to develop connections to why they are learning. And oh yeah, those things are letters. And what is a letter and why is it important? So in the next slide, we've built this part to be really part of their like active independent learning to communicate how they're going to practice their, their login. So we start with the focus questions. The what is a letter and why are letters important? So we think again about the balance of our lesson, the front of in front of the screen and then moving around and then front of the keyboard and the playing opportunities that we have there. Before we go into the next part of the lesson, we want them to get up and move again. 
We want to have a chance to make sure we're balancing their time. So we invite them here to walk around the house and look for letters, just like they looked for technology before. Now, again, they're making these real world connections. Where are their letters at my in my house? And then we're gonna ask them what they notice about them. Letters come in different fonts. They come in different sizes. They come in uppercase. They come in lowercase. They're in different places to communicate different kinds of information. So we wanna have that movement piece for them. And then we give them a clear um, direction on what their materials are over here. So we have the getting ready part. Before they move to the activities to practice, they would need to get these materials ready. Now, I know there's a lot of text on this screen for little ones, and there are different ways to approach it. We discovered that when we went to remote learning, because in our population of kids, we actually had a lot of caregivers working alongside kids. We, need to we needed to communicate very specific directions to grownups. So you have to remember when you're creating these lessons now, it's not going directly necessarily from you to the kids. In a lot of cases, it be, could be going from you to the caregiver to the child. So you wanna make sure you really scaffold for the person kind of in between that's helping to facilitate here. If you didn't have that in, in between, then you might choose a video of you explaining all of this instead, and that would be a great option also. But just this is set up this way because it, it's what happened to work for our population of families. So we wanna give them clear, okay, this is what I'm going to need for this part of the lesson. And then we wanna to go to the activities to practice. So you can see here the breakdown. We're gonna ask them to listen to the top video first. Now the top video is just reviewing really uppercase and lowercase letters. So going back to focus them in on what they just discovered around their house. They're all different kinds of letters. What are they? They're uppercase and lowercase. Then after that one, they're going to go find the login card that matches their keyboard. So we actually want to make sure that kids get copies of both kinds. They have an uppercase and they have a lowercase login card and we want them to find what matches. So again, you're addressing your curriculum and your objectives directly by having them focus on the difference between uppercase and lowercase letters. And then we ask them to use that matching card to practice login. The next part that we always make sure we have is that teacher check-in piece. And I wanted to point out here that this teacher check-in is really, although it seems like just a cute thing to do, it's very specific in its intention. So what I asked here is that the children, once they've practiced logging in, they take a selfie of them next to their screen and I asked them to use their expression to show me how they're feeling about their mm -hmm. login. And I wanted the kids to be really honest about this part because you might have done it and feel super successful and super excited because this, I had this challenge and I totally met the challenge. But there are some kids that, you know what, this is gonna be hard and it's going to be exhausting and it might be frustrating for some of the grownups too. And we wanna make it safe to learn that way. And I want to know that if I'm not right next to them in the classroom logging it, like if I were right next to them, we would have a very clear picture of how the whole thing went. And if I'm not right there, I want that feedback from them. Not just I did it, but this is how I felt about it. Because if you're getting that communication back, then you can problem solve and work through that way with children and families. So I just wanted to point through, point out that there's a lot of very specific, very intentional pieces embedded in these lessons. And then down at the bottom, we always include our goals down here. And the little thumbs mean in the classroom when we have a lesson and we reflect with the kids, we always gather them back and they get their, their check-in thumb ready. 
and a thumb up by your heart when I ask you a certain um, question or I give it an I can statement so I can identify upper and lowercase letters. Thumb up by your heart means I got it. Thumb to the side means I'm setting a goal on that, that one because I haven't quite gotten it yet. So on all of our resources, you're gonna see a lot of those little thumbs because it's just a reminder to the kids that listen, either you got it or guess what? You're still working on it and that's totally okay. We always want to, just as we would in the classroom, give kids those safe little visual cues that make it okay to be whatever kind of learner you need to be at whatever time, in whatever kind of experience you're having that day. And the last thing I wanted to point out on here, over here there's the bonus challenge. So you're gonna have those kids who maybe come to you as readers, like, and maybe they, they've got the keyboard down pat, it happens. Um, and in that case, we wanna offer them a different kind of challenge. So for this one, we would ask them to choose the opposite kind of login card. So if your keyboard is all in lowercase, maybe then you're gonna take the uppercase keyboard login card and you're going to try it that way. So again, just building in little pieces so that we're scaffolding to make sure we have taken care of that little one who doesn't even know the difference between a letter and a number yet. And guess what? Like we're addressing that in this lesson, but then we also want those challenges for kids that need them. So everything in here is layered very intentionally. And just like all of the amazing teachers out there that layer in the classroom, you're going to layer the same way here. It's just going to look a little bit different. And I think the more examples we can share with each other of what this looks like and feels like in remote learning, the more we're supporting everybody in giving kids what they need. And that's one of the exciting things too. This is something that Christine and I would be doing at this point in the summer for three years now, at this point in the summer, we've been, we've been building activities and experiences for our kids to share between our kids. But now we have the privilege of coming out into the world and saying, hey, listen, this is how we're working. Maybe it's going to work for your families too. So just like there are advantages in working in a collaboration with another teacher, there are lots of advantages in being putting, put into this challenging situation together in opening up opportunities for all kids and teachers. All right, Christine, we can jump to the next one. Okay, we are running a little short on time yep. and I really, really wanna to get to that last resource we wanted to share, but just in case you didn't pick up on it, the big idea with the with us taking the time to um, spend on login, it's practicing login is, meaning, is a meaningful strategy for development of alphabet knowledge. And Jessica, I really four. wanted you to have the chance to share about the playing with words Boards. This is our last resource that we wanted to be able to share. And um, you can g give a little bit of a highlight and let people know um, where to find them. Okay, so playing with words. We have these individual mini lessons that we give to kids. And then every week when we work on some kind of theme or some kind of focus, we have essentially a choice menu called our playing with words menu. Every activity on here is a hands-on experience that kids can do at home. We are very intentional in making sure that we choose super simple materials that are accessible to most families and children. And again, you might have to tweak this for your population of kids, but the idea is 
We're taking it from what we learned on the screen, and then we're giving them lots of hands-on opportunities to explore in different ways. And again, solidifying those connections. In this playboard, we're solidifying the connection between the keys on the keyboard and the letters on the mail that I might find in the mailbox or the letters and numbers that are around our kitchen. And we're giving kids that fine motor practice and noticing that some letters have curves and some letters have straight lines. We're weaving all of the things that we know kids need together in one space with lots of different choices. So we actually have a collection of these playing with word boards, words boards. I love making these. And I have to just say that last um, year when we started doing remote learning and I started planning these um, playing with words boards, I want everybody to know that when I was planning them, I thought about all of your kids when I was planning the activities on these boards. If it was something I knew that only my kids do, because I know I have a certain population of families with resources um, that are accessible in certain ways, I did not add it if I knew it wouldn't be accessible to most kids across the country. So we have these playing with words boards available. And my goal this year is just to keep adding these boards. This board has been added already. Um, just to sort of, even if you didn't, even if you want to make a copy and tweak the board, however you want to do it, just to sort of get the idea out that because we're remote learning, because we have to utilize our digital, digital technology and our screens does not mean that we are getting rid of all of those great pieces that we know kids need. Christine, did you want to add something to that? Uh, well, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I will definitely say it again. Um, well, here it says remote learning includes hands-on learning. Again, the whole idea is that like that the hands-on learning does not have to die because we are remote learning and that we're um, working or we might be working in a hybrid model. Again, it just has to be redefined a bit. So I believe now is the Q&A part. So I'm going to stop sharing my screen. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and all the teachers, thank you for so much for sharing all those resources. All the people and the teachers, educators in the chat are excited with what you've given them. And I love, Christine, that you just said that just because we're doing remote doesn't mean that hands-on learning has to stop. We have to redefine. That is such a powerful statement right there uh, to say, because that's one thing that I know teachers are struggling with. Is that going to go away? And you answered it. You said, no, it's not. And it shouldn't. But uh, so now... Melissa, I just I'm wanted sorry. to say, not only is it not going to go away, but there are some opportunities we have here to make it even better. We just have to reconsider what that's going to look like. Yes, yes. Um, talk about, don't don't you ladies have a book coming out soon as well? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, fingers crossed for the fall <laughs> release. Uh, it's called Innovating Play. Uh, it has four sections that that offer just a ton of resources. We talk about like our routines, rituals, and remember like we are, we have worked across the country together for the past three years. And so a lot of like our routines and rituals, we, we redefine them as it was to bring them into our classroom so that we can include each other. So, so there, there was already a digital component to it. So there's that section. Uh, we have like innovating play, like with the curriculum. So breaking down like the different like content areas and how to innovate play that way. We have innovating play unchained, where we talk about like our connected playtime and our community playtime. And then we just have an, our last part that just has a like ton of resources. 
So we are super excited for that to come out. Uh, definitely subscribe to our blog because that is where we are sharing the updates for that. Oh, perfect. And I did, we dropped the link in the chat for your blog. So, um, and we'll drop, drop it again before we leave too, as well. Yes. Um, yesterday we did a training in our district and we, um, the math curriculum coach, she did, she gave away two of your books to the teachers as a raffle. So they were very excited to get their hands on that. And I know they're going to be very excited to get their hands on the next book that you have, you all have coming out. So, um, so let's, let's look at the chat and let's see if we have any questions. So if you have any questions, now's your time to ask these ladies and get some of your questions answered that you have for this upcoming year with your students. So we're going to go ahead and look at the chat and see if we have any questions coming out. So let's see. And we'll drop that link in as well. One question that I did notice that um, someone asked, it was Melissa. She asked if you could share the template, that template that you had for the color coding. They would like to have, they would like to have a template because they love the way it teaches letter recognition. They feel like that's going to be a great tool to use in, in the classroom as well. I did see a lot of uh, exciting posts about, wow, I'm going to take this back to my school and use this with my teachers. Let's see, any suggestions on how you would have a helper of the day in remote learning? That is coming from Chris. Ah, uh, well, I, I, we, I recently I learned that my, like we typically have like a helper, I guess you could say for like an hour in the classroom. And like we, we we've, in the past, we've used that helper for like centers or like running copies or just like like one-on-one -on -one instruction or like small group. And I like, I found out that I still get to have a helper. I'm so excited. And so I said, yes, right away. I, I would love to have my proctor uh, hop on with me for those first, like, especially like with, for those whole class meets that we're having online, just because like, well, I know my proctor, I've been working with her. This is going to be my fifth year working with her. My kids don't know her yet. And it's not like she's in the classroom to be working with them or like to see her face on the playground and stuff like that. So to, I, that definitely in the beginning, having her jump onto those class meets. Also, I feel like it's really helpful to have someone there while you're working on a class meet because it's it's just you and the kids on the meet. And if you need to pull a kid to the side, you could at least have your helper like and say like, you know, can you continue with what we're talking about? I'll be right back. I'm going to pull this kiddo in another little chat and have like a like the side conversation as if necessary. Um, also. Uh, still like navigating and learning more on like like small groups too so like you know to get like practice like reading like in a small group uh so like divide and conquer also you know and also too like just like any like like assessments that i feel that uh she can take on for me i will have that happen too um also um well, like if I had like uh, like an aide, like a couple years ago, I had an aide and uh, I wish I would have had someone when when we went remote learning in the spring, just because like my kids use like, you know, Flipgrid primarily to like submit their work to have someone else on there other than me commenting right. on their things like the kids comment to each other on occasion but to have like another grown-up who cares about what they're doing um that's also how i would totally be using uh like utilizing and like an, like my helper just so that um the kids receive that feedback on their on their work and they they, they know that somebody's seeing it 
And also, I think you had mentioned about the link. I am going to work on dropping the link. Actually, there is a whole blog post that we shared that has like all the resources that we just talked about today. So I'm going to drop that post into the comment section, I guess. And okay, yeah, you can drop it in there, and then I'll post it on the on the main on the comments too. I think I'll drop that over in the chat thing because I don't know how to do that. So here we go. Okay, perfect. Chris is also wanting to know how would you incorporate an interactive calendar time into remotely. You, Jessica, I see. Nadia, you want to take that one? (laughs) Yes, only because um, we uh, okay. Yes, we're thinking about that right now and just started a blog post on that. This is how it's kind of working for us as we think about the things that we are going to need to address in the classroom. We're creating all the resources together and writing blog posts at the same time. So if you've noticed, like we've had several blog posts come out lately and everything is corresponding to what we're actually going to be doing with families. So anything you get from us, We've thought about what could go wrong with this one, who could misinterpret this one, is it really going to work? So I think the good thing about our resources, I hope, is that when teachers get their hands on them, you're getting something that we are really using. So we're actually in the process right now of rethinking those like calendar and math routines and just what math is going to look like. Um, We do have several pieces in our book because we did our calendar time or our days of school and weather, like all of that was collaborative between our two classes. So we do have resources on that coming. So yay for asking that question. Perfect, perfect. Let's see, Uh, Sylvia wants to know, how long will your lessons be online at the beginning of the year? And will you log in several times throughout the day? Okay, so I know for sure that I definitely wanna meet at least twice a day with the kids, like have like a live meet, like once for like, for like a literacy time and once for like a math time. Um, so that was that question. So twice how long? Well, the kids can really just about <laughs> sit there for like a half an hour tops. Like you're really pushing it. I think it depends on how you're facilitating though. So if it's kind of like, uh, like kind of like the, the idea of like, go look in your house for, uh, for examples of technology and come back. So then you kind of like the kids had an opportunity to get up and they come back. So if you have a couple of those, you could probably have the kiddos, um, you can probably have that last for um, longer than a half an hour. Uh, but so that's probably about the duration though, for about half an hour. What were the other questions? Did I answer them? Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Let, uh-huh. um, and, and, and I like when we were talking too about, you know, different math, can't even say that word, manipulatives, how you were saying to get creative and having your kids use things around the room. Like, what are your, some of your suggestions like for you, you have for that, like having those things for kids at home? Would you send them home or would you have kids gather them around the house? I have an answer, but Jessica, did you want to add? Because I know you, you guys. Uh, this is actually part of what I was working on for our blog post this morning. So, like all of this is what's, it's funny that like all teachers have kind of the same thing swirling in their heads. So Christine, I'm going to let you like speak on that one while I continue to like oh, sure. a little bit. So I know that like, I totally love like, like the opportunity, opportunity to tell the kids like, or tell the families like, you know, you need X amount of counting objects. So, and I always like modeled like something that was like, like everybody has like a couple of pennies around. Like when I did my examples, like in my instructional videos for the kids, I used pennies. But of course they come with like their buttons and their Shopkins and their like little toys or Legos, like things that they have that they like, which is so cool because like, you know, like in the classroom, like typically we're probably using like those little red and yellow counters to count or like cubes. 
and like they get to make connections with like the little toys that they have at home that can be used for counting also like marbles so I always like modeled pennies just because I figured everybody has pennies at home yes yeah. that's yeah, that is so true. They do. And how exciting for them to go get their own piece and bring it back because then they're going to show that ownership because I found these around the house and I get to oh, use these. Totally. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely like with math, like a lot of those were kind of like when I wrote out the directions, it would be like, uh, like even like with categorizing, like in your home, go find. And like, I got videos back of like the kids, like, okay, I just sent so-and-so with a backpack and he just went around the house and he collected everything and put it in his bag. So uh, it, yeah, it, what's special about this is that like more than ever, we get to be transparent with families with how the kids are learning, you know, uh, like a lot of the time we get to like reflect back with them and we get to, sometimes we have the opportunity to offer like extensions, but like here, like we are working with families with supporting their kids with their learning. Like we have to have that teamwork with them. That's, so. that's right. And that is what is the unique thing about this because you are really connecting. You, you said it right there. With the little ones, we also spend a lot of time helping them transfer their knowledge from the classroom back to home or into the real world. It's different now in that we're almost starting real world with them. So now if they're using Legos to count as part of their lesson at home, guess what? When they go to play with Legos later, that's going to be already in them. So when I said like there are some ways that it's better for little kids, like this is one of the teeny, I'm not saying that we would necessarily wish the situation on anybody, but there are some teeny tiny ways that learning will settle in with them deeper than it was when learning was happening in school and at home. Weaving the two together has some powerful opportunities. Yes, this is a great opportunity to do that right now in this type of setting. I thank y'all so much for coming on and, and talking with, with the world because this is GEG Global. So thank you for sharing all of these great resources and helping calm and ease the nerves of some of these the teachers out there who will be facing this in the fall. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for doing this for us. We appreciate that. We will be looking for your book. I know I I will. And when I see you, be prepared. I'll be coming with my book to get your autographs. <laughs> uh, yay. Well, thank you again thank for having you. us. And thank you to all of those who showed up today. We are wishing you well, wishing you the best with your school year. We are right there with you going through it all. So don't be afraid to hit us up on Twitter uh, with any like questions and stuff like that. We'll do our best to respond. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Mm -hmm.